Peace be upon you. So when I was in college, I attempted to become more serious about my religion. And um, at that time, I wasn't committing all my uh, salats. I was missing some here and there. I had a problem getting up for Fajr. And uh, I was reading the Quran now at a pretty regular pace. And one time upon finishing the Quran, I went back to the beginning and started reading again. And I got to Surah 2. And immediately in Surah 2, God discusses the three groups of people. The first group is the righteous. The second group is the disbelievers. And the third group is the hypocrites. And I was asking myself, which group do I fall into? Clearly, I didn't consider myself a disbeliever. I believed in God. I was reading Quran. I was doing you know, some of the, the, the practices. But I had a hard time considering that I was the righteous because I wasn't doing all my salat. I was openly committing sins. I was doing things that I knew were sinful at heart. So that put me in the category of the hypocrites. And that scared the daylights out of me. The thought that if I fell into this category, that all my works would have been nullified despite thinking that I'm doing something righteous. In Surah 11, verse 16, it reads, It is they who gave up their share in the hereafter, and consequently, hell is their lot. All their works are in vain. Everything they have done is nullified. And it reminds me of the story of the owners of the garden in Surah 68, where he did all this hard work for their garden, only to have it to be wiped out so they had nothing from it. But imagine how much worse it is for someone who has hypocrisy through their whole life, thinking that their small righteous deeds they're doing here and there is going to pay them back some reward in the hereafter, only to find out that it's all been nullified because of their hypocrisy. What a terrifying thought. You know, at least with the owners of the garden, they had the opportunity in this life to fix their ways. But in the hereafter, that's it. There's no way to go back and correct these errors. So why is it that God considers the hypocrites the worst, worse than the disbelievers? In Surah 4, verse 145, it reads, The hypocrites will be committed to the lowest pit of hell. You will find no one to help them. Someone who disbelieves at least is being honest where they stand. But someone who's a hypocrite is a bad example for the group that they claim to represent. Take the example of Bernie Madoff. Here's this legendary investor, the former chairman of the NASDAQ, and when his Ponzi scheme was unraveled, they estimated that the amount of fraud he committed to individuals was in the line of $64.8 billion, that he defrauded more than 4,800 clients. Now, beyond that is the fact of the ripple effect he had on his industry. Now people, as if the banking industry didn't have it bad enough, you have this individual who makes it exponentially worse. If Bernie Madoff was just a bank robber, I think people would have had a little more respect for him because at least it's apparent what he is. They would say, hey, that's an achievement how much he was able to to steal. But the fact that he came off as a guise of someone you can trust, someone that you could put your money into, um, shows how wicked of an act that is. You know, hypocrite, they repel people from the faith by setting a bad example under the guise of their belief. And this is the reason I believe that God has the lowest pit of hell reserved for them. In Surah 47, verse 34, it reads, Those who disbelieve and repel from the path of God then die as disbelievers. God will never forgive them. This is the punishment for doing such a heinous crime, that these people are better off to just claim that they're disbelievers and walk away from the religion than trying to deceive people with their bad example and their bad acts under the apparent facade of being a believer. So God willing, in this episode, I want to look at 
according to the Quran, what are the traits of the hypocrites? And the reason I want to do this is for twofold. One is for us to evaluate ourselves, our own behavior, our own actions. And if we see anything we do that constitutes hypocrisy, for us to God willing fix that situation. The second one is for the sake that God tells us in our communities, there is going to be hypocrites. And if we don't have the skill set to identify hypocritical traits, what happens is these individuals become highly divisive in our communities and can cause all kinds of problems. So God willing, let's get started. The first trait of a hypocrite is they harbor doubts about God. The disbeliever doesn't harbor doubt. They simply disbelieve. But a hypocrite, they harbor doubt and they feed that doubt rather than trying to eliminate it. This is different than a believer. A believer may have a doubt, but rather than feeding that doubt, they try to overcome it. They try to eliminate it. You know, imagine a doubt as a weed, and a believer is going to work to remove that weed. But a hypocrite, what they will do is they will pour water on that weed, and they'll grow that weed, and eventually that weed takes over their entire garden. And the reason I'm bringing this one first is because you'll see in these verses, in the context of hypocrites, consistently, we'll see that it's individuals who harbor doubts. And a good verse to depict this is in 2253. It says, He thus sets up the devil's schemes as a test for those who harbor doubts in their hearts and those whose hearts are hardened. The wicked must remain with opposition. And we know from Surah 2, when it discusses the category of the hypocrites, it says, When they meet the believers, they say, We believe. But when alone with their devils, they say, We were with you, we were only mocking. These individuals, they have the devils descend upon them because of this doubt that they harbor, this doubt that they continuously feed. So the second point is they manifest their doubt by trying to make the believers doubt God's promise. So what does this mean? The believers are tested, they're shooken up, and the last thing you need is someone in your community who's telling you all the reason God's promise isn't gonna work out, why things are gonna fail, why the it's not possible to be victorious, and just give you a pessimistic view on uh, life. We see this happen in the Quran in Surah 63, verse 8. They say, so this is the hypocrites, if we go back to the city, the powerful therein will evict the weak and we will be victimized. They should know that all dignity belongs to God and his messenger and the believers. However, the hypocrites do not know. By spreading their poisonous doubt to the community, it brings down the morale of the community. And we see this again in Surah 33, verse 12, at the Battle of the Parties. It says, The hypocrites and those with doubts in their hearts said, What God and His Messenger promised us was no more than an illusion. A group of them said, O people of Yathrib, you cannot attain victory. Go back. Others made up excuses to the Prophet. Our homes are vulnerable when they were not vulnerable. They just wanted to flee. So you see that it's not enough that they harbor doubt. The fact is that they're professing their doubt. They're continuously bringing down the confidence in God that other members of the community have. And this is very destructive. Can you imagine getting into the faith, realizing you're going to be put to the test, and what you have is someone in your ear nagging about how you're going to fail, it's all hopeless, God is not going to be able to help you, just run for your life. It becomes that much harder. This poisonous doubt that they spread, it makes it hard for other people to come to the faith. And this is part of the reason why they're so wicked. The third point is that they say what they do not do. This is a classic trait of a hypocrite, is that you say what you don't do. 
In Surah 61, verse 2 and 3, it reads, O you who believe, why do you say what you do not do? Most abominable in the sight of God is that you say what you do not do. Again, God is confirming that the most abominable act in his eyes is people who say what they don't do. And we see an example of this in 5911. Have you noted those who are plagued with hypocrisy and how they said to their companions in disbelief among the people of the scripture? So these are disbelieving hypocrites who are in the disbelieving camps. So they're hypocrites, but they're in the disbelieving camps. And it says, if you are evicted, we will go out with you and will never obey anyone who opposes you. If anyone fights you, we will fight on your side. And it says, God bears witness that they are liars. So these are hypocrites in the disbelieving camp who are assuring the disbelievers that they're going to stick with them, that they're going to fight along them, that they're not going to allow them to get evicted. And it continues in 59.12. It reads, in fact, if they were evicted, they would not have gone out with them. And if anyone fought them, they would not have supported them. Even if they had supported them, they would have turned around and fled. They could never win. These are people who are committing. They're making a promise and they're not even able to fulfill it. And this is the trait of a hypocrite. And another name for someone who doesn't maintain their oath is a liar. And you see that this is a trait of a hypocrite. In Surah 63, which the Surah is entitled, The Hypocrites, the first verse, it reads, When the hypocrites come to you, they say, We bear witness that you are the messenger of God. God knows that you are his messenger, and God bears witness that the hypocrites are liars. So these individuals, why are they lying? Because they claim to bear witness to something that they did not see with their own eyes. In 2844, it reads, You were not present on the slope of the Western Mount when we issued the command to Moses. You were not a witness. None of these people witnessed Muhammad getting the revelations of the Quran into his heart. They weren't even there. This is something that happened between God, Muhammad, and Angel Gabriel. And to say that they bore witness to something like this, it's a heinous act because they're lying. In addition, we see that this statement, Ashaduana Muhammad Rasulullah, it only occurs in this one verse in the context of the hypocrites because 19 times in the Quran, the shahad as la ilaha illallah, that there is no other God beside God. If we bear witness to something we haven't seen, then we're lying and we fall into the camp of hypocrisy. In 4060, it says, Have you noted those who claim that they believe in what was revealed to you and what was revealed before you? Then uphold the unjust laws of their idols. They were commanded to reject such laws. Indeed, it is the devil's wish to lead them far astray. God tells us in the Quran repeatedly that the only source of law is the Quran. Yet you see people upholding fabricated hadith created 200 years after Prophet's death. God tells us in the Quran that the only legitimate hadith is the Quran. This is the only book that we know for certain was given to Prophet Muhammad that came out of his own mouth that he wrote himself down for us to have today. So if we follow any other laws in regards to our religious salvation, it shows that we are falling into the camp of hypocrisy. In Surah 9, verse 77, it says, Consequently, he plagued them with hypocrisy in their hearts till the day they meet him. This is because they broke their promises to God and because of their lying. So it's important as believers that we maintain our word, that when we say we're going to do something, by God's leave, we try our utmost to try to maintain that. God gives us the example in Surah 16, verse 91. It says, You shall fulfill your covenant with God when you make such a covenant. You shall not violate the oaths after swearing by God to carry them out, for you have made God a guarantor for you. God knows everything you do. Do not be like the knitter who unravels her strong knitting into piles of flimsy yarn. And it continues in 1694, it says, Do not abuse the oaths among you lest you slide back 
after having a strong foothold, then you incur misery. Such is the consequence of repelling from the path of God by setting a bad example. When we make false promises, we make false oaths to one another, specifically to God too, it shows that we're falling into the camp of hypocrisy, that we're not maintaining our word. And this sets a bad example for our communities. When people say they're going to do something God willing, and they do that as an excuse to get out of a situation, it means that they're not maintaining their word. When we say something God willing, we're going to do something, it means yes, absolutely, I plan on doing it. If God strikes me down by lightning and stops me from doing it, then there's nothing I can do in that regards. But it's my utmost intention to carry out with what I say I'm going to do. And when we make God the guarantor of our promises, it becomes that much more serious because now we're being a representative for God and his religion. And it's interesting that it says, such is the consequence of repelling from the path of God by setting a bad example. We see that this is the fifth criteria is they repel from the path of God. In Surah 58 verse 16, it says they use their oaths as a means of repelling from the path of God. Consequently, they have incurred a shameful retribution. In 63.2, it says under the guise of their apparent faith, they repel the people from the path of God. Miserable is what they do. So we see that the trait of the hypocrite is that they repel people from the path of God. How do they go about doing this? You see three mechanisms. One is they create confusion. Two is that they create disputes. And three is that they create division. They weaken the believer communities by doing this. In Surah 9 verse 56, it says, They swear by God that they belong with you while they do not belong with you. They are divisive people. Divisive means someone who's tending to cause disagreement or hostility between the people. And you see this in communities that there's certain instigators who are constantly causing division, disunity, confusion, and anger and resentment among believing communities. In 947, it says, had they, the hypocrites, mobilized with you, they would have created confusion and would have caused disputes and divisions among you. Some of you were apt to listen to them. God is fully aware of the transgressors. This is the criteria of the hypocrite, that they want to repel people by not maintaining their oaths, by setting a bad example, by causing confusion, disputes, and division among the believers. We see in Surah 3 verse 7, it says, He sent down to you this scripture containing straightforward verses, which constitute the essence of the scripture, as well as multiple meaning or allegorical verses. Those who harbor doubts in their hearts, these are the hypocrites, will pursue the multiple meaning verses to create confusion and to extricate a certain meaning. This word in Arabic, for confusion is lefitnati, which means divisions and disputes. This is what they do by causing divisions and disputes and confusion. All they're doing is they're dividing the believers. They're causing arguments and hostility among believing communities. The seventh point is that they conspire. In Surah 4 verse 114, it says, There's nothing good about their private conferences except for those who advocate charity or righteous works, or making peace among the people. So we can extrapolate that what they do in their private conferences is not advocate charity or righteous works, or making peace among the people. That they do division among the people. They cause a wedge between the people. In 58.8 it says, Have you noted those who were enjoined from conspiring secretly, then insist on conspiring? They conspire to commit sin, transgression, and disobedience of the messenger. When they come to you, they greet you with a greeting other than that decreed by God. 
They say inside themselves, God will not punish us for our utterances. I've witnessed this firsthand, where people, they consider, say, my belief is, uh, is a hypocrite, and they won't say, Salaam Alaikum. And this happens among submitter communities and among traditionalist communities, that they think that because I have a difference of understanding than they do, that I no longer warrant to say peace be upon you, to say peace to me. And it shows that they think that they can twist God's word. God tells us in 654 that when we greet one another, we use the term peace be upon you, salam alaikum. And this is something that if you don't believe in God's word, you create your own laws, your own rules. The eighth point is they advocate vice. The hypocrite men and hypocrite women belong with each other. This is Surah 9, verse 67. It says, they advocate evil and prohibit righteousness, and they are stingy. They forgot God, so he forgot them. The hypocrites are truly wicked. When someone is advocating sinful conduct, bad behavior, in the guise of apparent faith, that they twist the words of the Quran, that they try to interpret it in such a way that promotes hostility, animosity, hatred, you know, bloodshed, then you know that they are hypocrites because they're advocating vice. God never advocates vice. God is most gracious, most merciful. The ninth point is they think that their sinful behavior is righteous. And this is something that's absolutely terrifying. When people think that their sinful conduct, their abhorrent behavior is righteous, then there is no reasoning with them. In Surah 35 verse 8, it says, Note the one whose evil work is adorned in his eyes until he thinks that it is righteous. You think of these people who are blowing themselves up, causing all kinds of chaos and terrorism, shedding blood, chopping off heads, blowing themselves up, kidnapping children, taking sex slaves, these disgusting acts, and they claim that this is righteous behavior. In 9.107, it says, There are those who abuse the masjid by practicing idol worship, dividing the believers and providing comfort to those who oppose God and His messenger. They solemnly swear our intentions are honorable. God bears witness that they are liars. These mosques that harbor terrorists, they harbor people who want to harm and destroy our societies. They're evil at heart, but they claim that their intentions are honorable. In Surah 72 verse 18, it reads, The places of worship belong to God. Do not call on anyone else beside God. When we go into a mosque, the only name we should see up on the walls is that of God's. If we see the names of other individuals, be it the prophet or his companions, we know that this is not a place dedicated to God alone. The following verse in 72.19 says, When God's servants advocated him alone, almost all of them banded together to oppose him. You see that the hypocrites, they're opposed to the truth. They're opposed to the worship of God alone. The tenth point is they are aggressive. In Surah 63 verse 4 it says, When you see them, you may be impressed by their looks. And when they speak, you may listen to their eloquence. They are like standing logs. They think every call is intended against them. These are the real enemies. Beware of them. God condemns them. They have deviated. This expression that they think every call is intended against them is the equivalent of saying you, they have a chip on their shoulder. What this means is that they think everyone who's saying anything, it's attacking them. The expression a chip on your shoulder is what they used to do when uh, they had to clean up. They would just throw uh, sawdust around and people would take a piece of sawdust, put it on their shoulder and challenge other people to knock it off. And this is the aspect that you see that they're continuously plagued with hostility and animosity. In Surah 22, verse 72, so when our revelations are recited to them, clearly you recognize the wickedness on the face of those who disbelieve. They almost attack 
those who recite our revelations to them. So if you're listening to this, and this is making you angry, it's making your blood boil, and you want to attack me through your uh, cellular device, maybe you got to take heed. You know, maybe we got to reevaluate our submission. The 11th point is they persecute the believers. In 3360, it reads, unless the hypocrites and those with disease in their hearts and the vicious liars of the city refrain from persecuting you, we will surely grant you the upper hand. They will be forced to leave within a short while. You think about these individuals who consider themselves the custodians of the sacred city, that they limit who's allowed to go and visit, that they restrict their ability to worship freely how they choose at the sacred shrine. These people, they persecute the believers for no other reason other than the fact of how they believe. I know people in Iran who they cannot do their Joma prayer without having the religious police pounding on their door, throwing them in prison. What a sad state of affair. And these are people who claim to be believers. You realize that they're not. They're only believers in facade. That deep down, they're all the character traits they have of these regimes is that of hypocrites. The twelfth point is they distort the words of God. In 541 it reads, O you messenger, do not be saddened by those who hasten to disbelieve among those who say we believe with their mouths, while their hearts do not believe. Among the Jews some listen to lies. They listen to people who never met you, who distorted the words out of context, then said, If you are given this, accept it. But if you are given anything different, beware. Whomever God wills to divert you can do nothing to help him against God, God does not wish to cleanse their hearts. They have incurred humiliation in this world, and in the hereafter they will suffer a terrible retribution. Think of today. You tell someone you want to worship God alone. You want to follow the Quran alone, and they attack you. They ridicule you, and they tell you, they say, look, you have to follow what these hadiths say that were written, compiled 200 years after Prophet's death by people who never met the Prophet himself. They listened to people who never met you and distorted the words out of context. Then said, if you are given this, accept it. But if you are given anything different, beware. That they put the Hadith on top of the Quran. These fabrications that are attributed to the Prophet that have no foundation, no verifiable evidence. They put that above the words of God in the Quran. The third trait of the hypocrite is they make excuses. In Surah 9 verse 49, it says, Some would say, Give me permission to stay behind. Do not impose such a hardship on me. These are people who are asked to go to battle. At the time of the Prophet, they had to go fight. They had to go fight for their freedoms. And they were making excuses. And you read in 3166 says, What afflicted you the day the two armies clashed was in accordance with God's will and to distinguish the believers and to expose the hypocrites who were told, Come fight in the cause of God or contribute. They said, if we knew how to fight, we would have joined you. They were closer to disbelief than they were to belief. They uttered with their mouths what was not in their hearts. As believers, we should be eager to strive. We could, should look for every opportunity to draw closer to God. If someone is having a Quran study, someone is uh, doing something in the cause of God, doing charitable works, that should be our number one priority. But oftentimes, we make excuses. We say, oh, I'm too busy, I have this, I have that engagement. But if God is our number one priority, we should do our utmost to make sure that that is what we put our uh, efforts towards. And this brings to the 14th point, they do not mobilize or strive. In 986, it reads, when a surah is revealed, stating, believe in God and strive with his messenger, even the strong among them say, 
let us stay behind. In 981, it reads, The sedentary rejoiced in their staying behind the messenger of God and hated to strive with their money and their lives in the cause of God. They said, Let us not mobilize in this heat. Say, the fire of hell is much hotter if you could only comprehend. This life is our last chance to make it back into God's kingdom. We should take every opportunity we can to draw closer to God, to refine our faith, to make sure that we're doing the things that please Him and our utmost, make that our number one priority. In 33.18, it says, God is fully aware of the hinders among you and those who say to their comrades, let us all stay behind. You know, the last thing you need in your community is people who dissuade you from striving in the cause of God, doing righteous works, doing good deeds, giving to charity, spreading God's message. You want to be around people who encourage good behavior, not push you towards disbelief, hypocrisy, being aggressive, hostile. That is the wrong group to associate with. But it's not enough just to say, yeah, I want to strive. I mean, it's a good start. If we want to truly strive, we have to do the efforts to prepare for it. And 946 says, had they really wanted to mobilize, they would have prepared for it thoroughly. But God disliked their participation, so he discouraged them. They were told, stay behind with those who are staying behind. And this is another character trait, is that the hypocrites are lazy. <laughs> they don't want to do hard work. They just want to take it easy. They don't want to get uncomfortable. Uh, the fact that they're saying, hey, let's not get in this heat is showing the laziness on their part. But their laziness is beyond their personal lives. Also in the religious practices. In 4142 it reads, when they get up for the contact purse a lot, they get up lazily. That is because they only show off in front of the people. They rarely do they think of God. In 954 it says, when they observed the contact purse a lot, they observed them lazily. And when they gave to charity, they did so grudgingly. You know, when we get up to do our salat, we should be enthusiastic. We should be pumped. We should be excited. We're making contact with our Creator. We're able to put everything else aside, to connect with the most gracious, the most merciful, to be able to perfect our religion, to strive towards righteousness. This is not something that we should do lazily. Now, it's different. Again, if you start in submission, you start lazily. That's fine. We have to continuously strive to do better. That's the difference. We cannot become complacent. And the 15th point is they want to, Quick material gain. In 942, it says, If there were a quick material gain and a short journey, they would have followed you. But the striving is just too much for them. They will swear by God, If we could, we would have mobilized with you. They thus hurt themselves, and God knows that they are liars. You know, they're looking for the quick buck, the shortcut. How can I get uh, to paradise faster? Oh, don't eat pork? Okay, I'll do that. The other stuff, I'll let it go. <laughs> they don't want to uphold God's commandments, they don't want to do the things that are challenging. And they're looking for just, again, a quick shortcut. And the 16th point is they're wishy-washy. They're not firm to committing to God. In 58.14 says, If you noted those who befriend people with whom God is angry, they neither belong with you nor with them. They deliberately swear lies. These individuals, the hypocrites, it's not clear. Do they belong with the believers or the disbelievers? They're kind of in between both. In 4.143 it reads, They waver in between, neither belonging to this group nor that group. Whomever God sends astray, you will never find a way to guide him. O oh, you who believe, you shall not ally yourselves with the disbelievers instead of the believers. Do you wish to provide God with a clear proof against you? It's our duty that we are wholly committed to God. The fact is that if we ally ourselves with disbelievers instead of God's word, that we put the words of someone else above what God tells us in the Quran, it shows that we don't really believe. In 4.141 it reads, They watch and you and wait. If you attain victory from God, they say to you, 
Were we not with you? But if the disbelievers get a turn, they say to them, did we not side with you and protect you from the believers? You see that they just want to basically shift sides according to whatever is working. And this has to do with, uh, in Surah 26, verse 225 and 226, it reads, do you not see that their loyalty shifts according to the situation and that they say what they do not do? These individuals, depending on who has the upper hand at the time, their loyalty shifts. They're not consistent. God tells us in the Quran, that he alternates the days of victory and defeat among the people. This is in 3.140 through 141. It says, if you suffer hardship, the enemy also suffers the same hardship. We alternate the days of victory and defeat among the people. God thus distinguishes the true believers and blesses some of you with martyrdom. God dislikes injustice. God thus toughens those who believe and humiliates the disbelievers. God is telling us this is part of his system that he alternates the days between victory and defeat to show who truly believes in God. If the believers always had the upper hand, if everything always just worked out off the bat for the believers, then everyone would just join the side of the believers. It's intentional that God allows the disbelievers to occasionally, for moments, have the upper hand to bring out our true convictions. Now what's interesting is it says God thus toughens those who believe and humiliates the disbelievers. This word toughens in Arabic is waliyum ahisa, which means to refine, to rid of impurities, similar to what you do for metal. When metal has impurities, you bring up the heat, and what happens is the impurities burn away. This is how you get from iron to steel. And God is using the same process, and he's defining the, the hypocrites as these impurities. In 3.142 reads, Do you expect to enter paradise without God distinguishing those among you who strive and without distinguishing those who are steadfast? God allows the community of believers to experience the flames of war, these hardships, to show their true colors, who's genuinely with the believers, and also to expose and eliminate the hypocrites. Because once they're identified, eventually they can't handle the pressure and they buckle and they leave. This same word, it only occurs, the root of it only occurs twice in the Quran. One is in 3.141, the other one is in 3.154. And in 3.154 it reads, God thus puts you to the test to bring out your true convictions and to test what is in your hearts. God is fully aware of the innermost thoughts. This same word, waliu mahisa, is used towards the believer's hearts because this hardship, this adversity, while a hypocrite becomes exposed as an impurity, a believer's heart is refined and it's fixed, and it becomes closer to God. It's interesting how this one event can bring up some and bring down others. Those who are true and sincere, these hardships, these adversities, actually purifies them. But those who are insincere, the hardships and adversity leads them away from the path. We read in Surah 29, verse 10, it talks about the test, and it reads, Among the people there are those who say we believe in God, but as soon as they suffer any hardship, because of God, they equate the people's persecution with God's retribution. But if blessings from your Lord come your way, they say, we were with you. Is God not fully aware of the people's innermost thoughts? God will most certainly distinguish those who believe and he will most certainly expose the hypocrites. These trials, turbulations, adversities, hardships that we face are for our benefit that God willing, we can purify our hearts to show our commitment 100% to God. 
but a hypocrite will experience the same event and they will draw further away from God. And it has to do with what's inside their hearts. When they have this doubt and they feed this doubt and they water this doubt, then they can't be surprised that their actions correspond with these seeds that they planted. This is not the case for a believer. A believer is constantly purifying this connection they have with God, eliminating these doubts, pulling the weeds from their root to make sure that they're sincere, they're devoted, and that they hold fast to the rope of God under all circumstances. And this brings up to the last point of the criteria of the hypocrites. They are closer to disbelief than they are to belief. In 4.138, it reads, Inform the hypocrites that they have incurred painful retribution. They are the ones who allied themselves with the disbelievers instead of the believers. Are they seeking dignity with them? All dignity belongs with God alone. In 9.50, reads, If something good happens to you, they hurt. And an affliction befalls you, they say, We told you so. As they turn away rejoicing. These people, they're closer to disbelief than they are to belief. Somehow, they stumbled on the path. But the fact is, their hearts do not believe, despite what their mouths say. In Surah 33, verse 14, it says, Had the enemy invaded and asked them to join, they would have joined the enemy without hesitation. It shows what they really believe, where they really stand. It's not with God. It's with the disbelievers. And that's the reason that they fall into the camp of the hypocrites. And that pretty much summarizes the character traits that I saw in the Quran regarding the hypocrites. And the question is, okay, now what? So how do we use this information? What are we supposed to do with it? And the bigger question is, is it our job that within life and in communities and stuff to identify who the hypocrites are? In 943, it reads, God has pardoned you. Why did you give them permission to stay behind before you could distinguish those who are truthful from the liars? Now, this was at the time of the prophet, but it's showing that there was a reason for God wanting him to be able to distinguish the truthful from the liars, the believers from the hypocrites. And we see another example of the wives, the believing wives of the disbelievers who abandoned the enemy and asked for asylum with the believers, that God informs the prophet that he should test them Meaning that we want to make sure that the people in our community, that they're devout believers, that they actually are going to help us in our submission and not bring us further away. We see that in the Quran, in Surah 9, verse 52 and 53, that God has very choice words towards these hypocrites in the community. It says, say, you can only expect from us one of two good things, victory or martyrdom, while we expect for you condemnation from God and retribution from Him at our hands. Therefore, wait, and we will wait along with you. Say, spend willingly or unwillingly. Nothing will be accepted from you. You are evil people. So God is telling the believers at that time, this is how you're supposed to respond to the hypocrites. In 964, it reads, the hypocrites worry that a surah may be revealed, exposing what is inside their hearts. So these are people among the believers who are hearing the revelation of the Quran. And it continues, say, go ahead and mock. God will expose exactly what you are afraid of. If you ask them, they would say, we were only mocking and kidding. Say, do you realize that you're mocking God and his revelations and his messenger? God is distinguishing in the communities between the believers and the hypocrites. And is telling the believers at the time, very choice words to use towards the hypocrites who are exposed. In 994, it says, they apologize to you when you return to them from battle. Say, do not apologize to me. We no longer trust you. God has informed us about you. God will see your works and so will the messenger. Then you will be returned to the knower of all secrets and declarations and he will inform you of everything you had done. So simply being passive on this doesn't seem like the corrective action. God is telling us that these hypocrites, 
they're going to be exposed and we have certain conduct we're supposed to carry out with them. So let's go a little deeper on this. Now there's four kinds of hypocrites. Those external who are not fighting us, those external who are fighting us, those internal who are not fighting us, and those internal who are fighting us. These are the four groups. So it's worth knowing which group we're dealing with. And the best depiction of this is in 488 through 491. It reads, why should you divide yourselves into two groups regarding the hypocrites among you? So God is acknowledging that there is hypocrites among the believers. God is the one who condemned them because of their own behavior. Do you want to guide those who are sent astray by God? There's nothing we can do to guide someone who's a hypocrite, someone who's destined for hell. It continues, whomever God sends astray, you can never find a way to guide them. And it says, they wish that you disbelieve as they have disbelieved. Then you become equal. This is what a hypocrite does. It says, do not consider them friends unless they mobilize along with you in the cause of God. So God is telling us that, hey, if they mobilize in the cause of God, we treat them as a friend. Then it says, if they turn against you, you shall fight them, and you may kill them when you encounter them in war. You shall not accept them as friends or allies. That if they turn against us and they actively fight us, God is giving us a commandment that we can defend ourselves. And now what's interesting is in 490, it says exempted, and these are the exempted hypocrites, are those who join people with whom you have signed a peace treaty and those who come to you wishing not to fight you, nor fight their relatives. So these are people who are outside who don't want to fight. They want to have peace. Had God willed, he could have permitted them to fight against you. Therefore, if they leave you alone, refrain from fighting you, and offer you peace, then God gives you no excuse to fight them. Meaning that if someone's a hypocrite, so what? That's up to them. As long as they're not fighting us, they're not persecuting the believers, There's, we have no concerns. And it continues in 491, you will find others who wish to make peace with you and also with their people. However, as soon as war erupts, they fight against you. Unless these people leave you alone, offer you peace and stop fighting you, you may fight them when you encounter them. Against these, we give you clear authorization. So what it comes down to is if someone's fighting us, if no one is fighting us, it doesn't matter if they're hypocrites. That's fine. That's on them. But the second that they turn against the believers, that they start fighting the believers, we have every duty to defend ourselves. And this corresponds with the underlying rules of war. In 68 and 9, it reads, God does not enjoin you from befriending those who do not fight you because of religion and do not evict you from your homes. You may befriend them and be equitable towards them. God loves the equitable. So God is telling us, if someone is not fighting us, it's not aggressing against us, we can be friends with them. It doesn't matter what they believe. In Surah 60 verse 9 says, God enjoins you only from befriending those who fight you because of religion, evict you from your homes, and band together to others to banish you. You shall not befriend them. Those who befriend them are the transgressors. God is telling us that if we befriend these people who are fighting us, who hate us, who want to basically banish us from our homes, banish us from the land, that we would be a transgressor. No different when God says, do not dismiss those who implore their Lord day and night. If you dismiss them, you will be a transgressor. We can't fall on one extreme or the other. God has very select words on how we're supposed to conduct. In Surah 3, verse 118, it says, O you who believe, do not befriend outsiders. So these, again, are people outside of our community who never cease to wish you harm. They even wish to see you suffer. Hatred flows out of their mouths, and what they hide in their chest is far worse. We thus clarify the revelations for you if you understand. Here you are loving them while they do not love you, and you believe in all the scripture. 
When they meet you, they say, we believe, but as soon as they leave, they bite their fingers out of rage towards you. Say, die in your rage. God is fully aware of the innermost thoughts. When anything good comes your way, they hurt. And when something bad happens to you, they rejoice. If you steadfastly persevere and maintain righteousness, their schemes will never hurt you. God is fully aware of everything they do. God is telling us very directly that we are not to befriend people who want to wish us ill. They want terrible things to happen to us. You know, if we think that we're going to overcome that with love, we're, we're, we're fooling ourselves and we're not abiding by the rules of God. So how do we put this into practice? The very first thing, the absolute first thing, is we have to be absolutely sure. We can't simply dismiss people, call them disbelievers, call them hypocrites. God is telling us that there, we have to do our due diligence. In 494 reads, O you who believe, if you strike in the cause of God, you shall be absolutely sure. Do not say to one who offers you peace, you are not a believer, seeking the spoils of this world, for God possesses infinite spoils. Remember that you used to be like them, and God blessed you. Therefore, you shall be absolutely sure before you strike. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. If someone is offering us peace, we can't simply dismiss them, say you're no longer a believer, you're a hypocrite, and then you know verbally attack them on Facebook and Twitter and you know slander them. This isn't Quranic. God gives us exactly what we're supposed to do. So we have to be absolutely sure that these are towards people who are fighting us because of religion, evicting us from our homes, banding together against other people, and also claiming to be believers during that time. We have to differentiate between a hypocrite and an aggressing believer. And in 49.9, God is showing us that some people, they might be aggressive, but they're still believers. In 49.9, it reads, if two groups of believers fought with each other, you shall reconcile them. And then it says, then if one group aggresses against the other, you shall fight the aggressing group until they submit to God's command. Once they submit, you shall reconcile the two groups equitably. You shall maintain justice. God loves those who are just. God is informing us that two believers, groups of believers could get in a fight. This happens. But the question is, are they fighting because of religion or because of personal disputes? And then God is telling us that it's our duty to reconcile them. And it continues, if one group aggresses, so this is after reconciliation, that if one group aggresses against the other, it's our duty to fight the aggressing group until they what? They submit. They stop fighting. This is our job. But the question is, when do they become aggressors as opposed to aggressing believer to a hypocrite who's fighting because of religion? And this is where it gets tricky because a lot of times people have personal disputes and they say, no, the reason this is is because of religion. It's very easy to call someone else an idol worshiper. But we have to be honest with ourselves because if we misuse these verses, we're only hurting ourselves. And I don't have a clear-cut answer. You know, I would like to think that it's something that you have to determine. Is this person fighting you because of personal differences or because of your religion? And this is something each person has to be honest with because, again, if we're being dishonest with ourselves just to try to get the upper hand, to dismiss people, to call people no longer being uh, believers, then we're only hurting our own soul. But assuming they fall into the camp of, yes, they're a hypocrite, yes, they're fighting because of religion, then God tells us in 973 what we're supposed to do. He says, oh, you prophet, strive against the disbelievers and the hypocrites and be stern in dealing with them. Their destiny is hell. What a miserable abode. In Surah 66, verse 9, says, O prophets, struggle against the disbelievers and the hypocrites and be stern with them. Their abode is Gehenna and a miserable destiny. God is telling us it's our duty that once these individuals have been identified, once their true colors come out, that it's our job to be stern with them. You know, to try to extend love and friendship is not what God recommends. 
in Surah 4, verse 107 through 109 says, Do not argue on behalf of those who have wronged their own souls. God does not love the betrayer guilty. They hide from the people and do not care to hide from God, though he is with them, as they harbor ideas he dislikes. God is fully aware of everything they do. Now, some people, they abuse this verse and they apply towards anyone who commits sin. But God is being very specific that this has to do with people who are exposed. They've been, we've determined that, yes, they are hypocrites. They meet all the criteria in the Quran. God is telling us not to defend them, not to give their uh, a pass on their bad behavior. And it continues in 4109, says, here you are arguing on their behalf in this world. Who is going to argue with God on their behalf on the day of resurrection? Who is going to be their advocate? Their decision is up to God. For us to try to give a pass to the bad behavior, to these criteria, these traits of the hypocrite, if they consistently are falling into this trap and they're persecuting the believers and they're fighting the believers, then it's our duty that we uphold these commandments. We can't be selective in which commandments we hold. We have to uphold all of them. Now, this podcast ended up being a little more lengthy, but I thought it was appropriate due to the severity of the subject matter to go into excruciating detail. And clearly, a lot more can be said on this topic. And God forgive me if I said anything out of line, but it's one of these things that we have to be conscientious of. Like we said, we can't go to one extreme or the other. God's laws are concise, and we have to apply them to the best of our ability, God willing. Inshallah, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.